could you give at Marks with Mike's podcast a shout out? Shout out! Hey yo! What am I Mr. Six Foot Nine, L. Cheech, and Dre the Juice Man. You're listening to the Mars. Welcome back to another edition of Mars Mike. You already know where it is by the sound of my voice. That's right. It's your boy, Mr. Six Foot Nine, JT, back in this piece once again. And like we promised you all on Sunday's episode, we were going to have an exclusive interview coming up. And uh, it's funny because this interview was already recorded. And I went back to check the file to go ahead and start the editing. That way I could release it for today's show. And when I checked the file to get ready to edit it, it says that the interview is corrupted. So I don't know what happened, but I reached out to this individual and this individual said, no problem. Let's do it again. Take one was so good. So why not do a take two? Ladies and gentlemen, speaking of this special guest, I'm going to let you know who that is in a second. But, of course, we have L. Cheech in the house for this interview as well. He will be checking in in any moment. But our special guest today is none other than the Rev. Ron Hunt. How's it going, brother? My man, it's so good to be with you, man. We had fun the first time, man. Technical difficulties don't hold us back. We're going to do it again, man. So good to be on with you guys today. It is a blessing, a blessing in its own, man. Definitely glad to have you on, man, and definitely good to hear your voice and everything. So, uh, you know, definitely want to check in with you and see how's everything been. But um, for for our listeners who have not got the chance to know who Rev Rev uh, Rev the uh, sorry Ron the Rev Hunt is, yes sir, yes people, sir, man, and, and to the people that know who he is. Let's go ahead and start back from page one. So page one, first of all, as a kid growing up, where where are you from? Originally uh, from Pittsburgh, man. Born and raised in Steel City right now. I live in Dayton, Ohio, but born and raised in Steel City, the town of black and gold, man. And I know that doesn't sound good to your ears, man. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, originally from Pittsburgh. Uh, started in 2011. I trained with Off the Wild Simone with the Wild Simone Pro Wrestling Training Academy in Florida. And, um, you know, that that whole love of wrestling, you know, you hear it a lot. It sounds cliche, but honestly, I, I loved wrestling pretty much since I was born. And, uh, you know, it was one thing that kind of caught, you know, kind of caught my eye. I think it was 1997, 1998, uh, WCW Bash at the Beach. It was Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero. And a uh, haircut match, whoever lost had their haircut. And Eddie was always one that somehow he gravitated me to wrestling. So now we look at where I am, you know, that was what drew me into it. And it captured me. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to get there. But my main thing is I want to be in this sport, in this profession of professional wrestling. You know, fast forward now, we're looking probably about 23, 24 years down the road since I got started in 2011. Now we're looking at 2020. And, um, it's been the best decision of my life, bro. Viva la raza! Viva la raza! Homes, homes, Latino heat. Yeah, yeah. Eddie, Eddie was definitely one of my favorites growing up, and uh, especially for you too, <laughs> LG. Right? Sport entertaining. What's up? Especially for you, uh, at LG's was was Eddie one of your favorites growing up? Oh. Uh. 
Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. At first, I wasn't too familiar with him. But then, um, you know, like what they call it, uh, the, what is it, the SmackDown 8 or whatever it was. But uh, during that period of time, man, it was he just gravitated. And, you know, it's like like they say, you don't know what you got until it's gone. Now mm-hmm. it's like you picture what, what could it have been, you know, now, it, you know, how everything uh progress and and how will eddie would have fill in and you know even as a mike you know what i mean like he could getting older like he could be a manager or stuff like that but yeah definitely eddie guerrero had his mark on um on the sport so so run how, how you feel like you're gonna make your mark in the sport as you start you know on, on your nine going on your nine year yeah, man, I, I think the thing is, you know, you never get complacent with where you are uh, right now in the current situation. Uh, uh, many may know, some may not. But right now, uh, currently with Ring of Honor and in particularly uh, the vice president of chief of operations of Shane Taylor Promotions. So I'm partnering with Shane Taylor, who's the CEO of that or 23rd Ring of Honor World Television Champion. And, um, you know, with a lot of people that, that are familiar with, you know, what we've been doing at Ring of Honor, uh, what you see on TV uh, is no persona. That's really us. And, you know, the thing is, you know, no matter how many years you're in, uh, the goal is to never get complacent. And I feel like that's where we are, especially being African-American males and men of color within this business. Um, there's no room for complacency. And I think with that, that's another thing that I feel that Eddie Guerrero brought to the table. I feel like he was not only a a veteran within the ring, but he was a veteran for the whole business, no matter what your position was. And I think he was well beyond his time in regards of how he was gravitating, how he was captivating, and how he was not only making a moment, but making a, a revolution and a movement within the sport of pro wrestling. So with me going on uh, this ninth year now, I'm saying, hey, you know, how can I do my part with making a shift in this business? How can I do my part with making a movement in this business and allowing that to stick? So whenever my whenever my so-called legacy is done, you know, the name and the virtue of what I've accomplished in this business, those works speak for themselves. And then someone can take the torch and take it from there. So right right now, it's just, it's just a matter of putting it in front of people and telling them, hey, you might agree with it, you might not agree with it, but it is what it is. And we're going to make a change in this business and also using your platform to speak out and make a change not only within wrestling, but within the world. And I feel like overall, that's a win-win, especially for our business. You know, the more that we can get our business out to there, out there to people who are not in our particular sport, then the more we see more eyes drawn into the sport of professional wrestling, which, which I feel, you know, the wrestling scene right now is great, but I always feel like we can always do better. You know, we're never satisfied at where we are. We want to achieve, achieve, achieve. And I can tell you, that's always in the mindset of myself. That's always in the mindset of Shane Taylor. That's always in the mindset of Conan Moses, soldiers of savagery that signed under Shane Taylor promotions too. Agreed, man. Agreed. I mean, complacency is something that people tend to get a little bit too attached to. You know, it's all—it's almost like, well, you know, I'm comfortable here, so I—I I don't see the need to make a change, or yeah. I don't see the need to look at things differently. You know, mm-hmm. and it kind of reminds me of our current our current climate in uh, in this country, as well as well as in you know from from the world can see from their view. 
So, uh, you know, I think I think definitely uh, just piggybacking off what you said, you definitely can't be complacent. You have to be able to actually broaden your horizons. Like I tell I tell my friends each year, like, you know, each year you get older, you should be able to definitely be a little bit wiser than what you were the year before. And also you should be able to have learned and experienced new things. You know, each year, each year is opportunity to grow. So, you yeah. know, for instance, like I say, I say this, you know, my age is 32. I can't be on the same thing that I was on when I was 19. Very 20, true. Very true. 22. You know, yeah. it just, it just doesn't look right. That's like, that's like me trying to dress like, it's like me, me trying to dress like the, the young kids today. Like it don't look right. <laughs> So it just ain't gonna fly, man. We, we ain't gonna go, go see you in the FUBU right now. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know what I'm saying? But everything but, evolves. Yeah, yeah, everything evolves, right? Like everything changes, music, genre. Before back in the day, we grew up on the punchline, the lyrics. You know, we was looking for this who's going against who. Now, yeah. now it's just now what makes you move. What what banks in the club when you know in the strip club establishment? You know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah. they get their money like that. But me personally, I'm OG. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I still listen to the gang stars. You know what I mean? And um, Biggie, Busta, and all that stuff. Even though there's new shit, I like. You know, I like it. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. But like everything in life, everything involved. You know what I mean? Like you have uh, color. In wrestling now, well, in other places, but not in the in the major leagues, like they say. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't get it as often. Oh yeah, it's, it's like left for special. Like me, I, I grew up in Puerto Rico, so yeah. there wasn't a message. There was no fire on the road, so barbed wire or blood. You know what I mean? It was like we were like programmed to see that. So we saw a match with no blood. Like okay. Happened, and it's crazy because now stuff that used to fly back then ugh, doesn't fly now especially a lot of racially toned characters that at yeah. the time was kind of seen as a funny now but now man that it won't fly at all yeah yeah i, th- I think it's kind of like the the climate of the change of of kind of where we are uh, you know, where we are evolving. And I think that was one thing that, you know, Shane and I have always had a discussion with and, and you know, many others is, you know, not not allowing yourself to just willfully fall into the status quo of what people think you should be in this business. And, um, and my personal thing is, you know, you have just as much as control of, of what you want to be perceived and the message you want people to get across. Uh, than than what you really think you have. There's a certain way to go about it. But at the end of the day, if you have a message, there's a way to get your message out there, Uh, especially in this sports where, you know, where we're we're coming at right now, where people feel like they do not have 
uh, that much control once you get to a certain level uh, based on what you need to have perceived on camera, on television, on national TV and everything. And um, with with us, like the same thing, like, you know, the Shane Taylor that you see on TV is the Shane Taylor that's sitting at home with, with his wife and his, and his kids. You know, the Revron Hunt that you see is the same Revron Hunt that's sitting here with family. Like, so at the end of the day, you you just have to stay true to yourself. And I, and I, that, that's one thing that I always tell people. And, and, and this is one thing that I always say when we have these, I have discussions with people. I say the only thing that's fake about wrestling is the people that's in it. And, and the reason, the reason why I say that is because, you know, so many people will, will smile, will smile in your face and then say something behind your back. But at the end of the day, you know, my thing is like, whether you like me, whether you hate me, be able, be comfortable to say it to my face. You know, it ain't going to be no beef. I just want you to be 100 with me. You can be real with me. I'll be real with you. And, you know, that's the same thing. Even when we look into like the evolution of, of, of wrestling, stay true to yourself, be 100 to yourself. And you will realize that people will have a grander respect for you when it's all said and done. Your message will have a more powerful and a more stronger uh, input and say, you know, if you just allow yourself to stay true to yourself, especially in this business as we as we evolve. Yeah, most of like, you know, and that's that's something that uh, we, we kind of practice on this show uh, far as, you know, hey, keep it 100. Like at the at the end of the day, yeah, you know, no, no, uh, no, no pun intended. Like, you know, no, no jab at Conan's uh, podcast, but. Just keep it 100 because that, at the end of the day, anything less is really unacceptable. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, for me, for me, I've always been the type of I can have I can have like no issue coming to you saying, hey, look, this is the issue I have with you. And yeah. this is why. Now we can talk about this to see why this is an issue. I'm like, like for me, I've never I've never been the type to want beef because I, I kind of feel like, you know, everyone who's born into this world has a lifespan, right? Yeah. We all have a certain amount of time on this earth. We can guesstimate what it's going to yeah. be, but we don't know. So for me, yeah. it's like, you know, I try to make each and every moment that I have valuable and worth, yep. you know, and you know, I, I, I always, I always joke about it on the on the show, like far, far as mouth minutes, right? So you know, I I had to, I had this joke. It's, it's like you know, what if what what if people actually ran out of mouth minutes, like like cell phone plans back in early two thousand, right? <laughs> but then, but then you know, I, I started to actually think about that. It's like, wait a minute, we all really do have mouth minutes. So I kind of feel like you should definitely use these quote unquote mouth minutes to the best yeah. of your ability. Because eventually they're going to run out. So use your voice while you have it. But, you know, that's always that's always been something that's always stuck with me. But far as far as you. Uh, so definitely, you know, I, I've been to the business and and learning, learning more, more about the, the people and, you know, the areas and, and the dealings. Um, can you can you tell us about uh, definitely your first your, your first experience? wrestling far as your your first match how did that go for you because every everyone has a different story some people say they were nervous some people say it went perfect what was your story 
Man, honestly, when I look back at it, and I think this is probably just now me uh, being where I am now and looking back, that match was the complete craps. You know, I thought in my personal time that I was putting in, uh, <laughs> I thought that I was putting together a, a, a WrestleMania uh, Madison Square Garden-esque match. Little did I know that it was like a, what we call kind of like a seven stages of hell type type match. You just got your seven basic uh, ways on, you know, how we think about putting things together. And, you know, when, when looking back at it, you know, um, it, it, it could have been better. I think the nervousness did get to me. It was like the, the confidence was there, but then it was almost like I got in the ring and I started to second guess myself sometimes. And it was like, okay, all right, you know, we're going to do this. And, um, and I forgot the art of wrestling. Granted, I was still learning it at that time, but I forgot the art of wrestling and, uh, pretty much, you know, in layman's terms, the art of wrestling is, you know, live in that moment, feel the crowd, feel the energy, flow with the crowd, allow the crowd to flow with you. And instead of having your mind in this robotic form to where, you know, you're all over the place or you're, you're, you're thinking too much, you know, allow the wrestling to come together. The whole art form of wrestling and, 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 and both of you guys notice is, you know, there, there's nothing better than being able to, uh, feel like you have that one-on-one -on -one connection with the crowd from beginning until the end of the match. And it just feels like a well, well oiled machine. And so I think that that could have been something that I, that I did better at that time. Now, granted, I was nervous that very first match, but at the end of the day, you know, it was parts that I was, I was nervous. And I was comfortable. I was nervous. I'll only be nervous if I, if I felt like I was going to mess something up and I forgot something was coming up. But then at the end of the day, you know, I was happy with it. You know, I feel like, you know, I said, okay, that is under my belt. And nothing, nothing is more nervous than a person that has their first wrestling match. So once you get that first match under your belt, you know, every, everything, everything should be easy going from there. You know, it's just a learning curve and you continue to excel from there. But everyone's big nervousness is that very first match. Uh, at the same time, while I was nervous, um, it did not deter me from the business. You know, I felt at home. I was nervous in that ring, but I felt at that same time, I'm like, this is what I'm made to do. You know what I'm saying? The nervousness comes. If you're not nervous, then, then you know, you're doing it all wrong. There, there should be some some little bit of butterflies in your system. But at the end of the day, I felt at home in that ring. You know, I felt like that ring was my sacred place. And even now, I can tell you that feeling that I had from match one all the way up to, God, I forget how many matches. I'm, I'm in a lot, like in, in the hundreds, pushing thousands now. Uh, pushing about a thousand or so now. But um, looking at it now, I still feel that same feel. You know, when I get into that ring, rather it's to manage, rather it's to wrestle, uh, I feel like that's my ring. That's my home. You know what I'm saying? And uh, as long as that feeling stays there, you know, I'm, I'm the happiest man in the world. You know, not, no one can take that from me. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, you know, for, I mean, like, like she said earlier, it's everything is evolution. You're supposed to evolve, right? So you got, you got the chance to, to definitely get your feet wet inside your first match, and you be, you were able to gain lessons and learn learn from each each and every mistake that you made. I mean, that, that's that's almost like anyone going to something for the first time. We always dive in head first because what's the worst that can happen? You know, we're gonna learn from it, right? So obviously, you you learn from your experience. You were able to travel to multiple promotions, become a uh, a two-time RWA tag team champion, uh, PWX tag team champion. So from from there, uh, you're you're moving all over the place. Places like Rockstar Pro, 
uh, which you had a great, great match, great feud with last week's, uh, I'm sorry, the week before guest, Crash Jackson. Yeah. Well. Uh, tell me tell me about that feud with Crash. Uh, man, honestly, I tell you this, it's just the beginning of it. You know, I had my eyes set on him. We had this pandemic that kicked in. Uh, so I sidetracked a little bit, but you know, I still got my eye on the prize and, uh, first of all, Crash is a phenomenal athlete. You know, I cannot take that away from him. The guy hustles like none other. Uh, ironically, we're actually both assistant trainers. It's myself, Crash Jackson, Samantha Heights. We're all assistant trainers under the head trainer, Dave Chris from Impact Wrestling. And um, so he knows his stuff. He's a veteran. He has a mind for it. He has a love for it. And at the, at the end of the day, um, what it came down to is, Anywhere, anytime I go to a company, and I remember we first met at, uh, I believe, uh, Real Street Wrestling if I'm correct, in Cleveland, and um, every time that I go somewhere, my goal is to capitalize, to make history, to steal that show. And when it came down to it, uh, we had a battle royal. It was a rock, it was a rock star amp championship. Uh, I was fortunate enough to secure that title. Uh, first African American to hold that title. At Rockstar Pro Wrestling, which is a complete honor of mine regarding the company been has been around for years. I think close to uh, uh, close to I want to say eight eight years or so, if, if I'm correct. But um, when it came down to it, we had a big match. It was my team, Team All Money In uh, versus Team Rockstar. Crash was the Crash was the team captain for that. I was the team captain for All Money In, and uh, we had a very gruesome match. You can find that match on on YouTube. Just look under Rockstar Pro Wrestling. And um, it, it, it was bloody. It, it, it was every bit of bloody. You're talking about 10 guys, no rules, a cage on two sides of the ring. There's a brick wall on the other side of the ring. There's weapons all over the place. There were thumbtacks, doors broken, chairs broken, tables broken. Everything that was there was broken. And there was blood everywhere. At the end of the day, Man. the stipulation was I did not have to get pinned. If a member pinned, then Crash got that title. Unfortunately, the our management felt that he, uh, uh, that we, I begged to differ, but that was the stipulations and, you know, man of our word. And that's how the match ended. I didn't get pinned and he got the title. So where my plug is it, where my plug is, is I never lost it. If he wants it, there's a time and a place for everything. However, based on those stipulations put in place by management, he now has that title regard regarding me never getting pinned. So Right where we are right now, my mindset is still on Crash. I've been in a ring with Crash. Actually, at the end of that match, him and I went toe-to-toe for one of the very first times ever. And when I tell you the kid got spunk, the kid got spunk. He, if, if he's not signed in the next two to three years, three to four years, I will be heavily surprised. And he brings it. He's going to make you work for it. So when it comes down to it, Everywhere I go, I want to fight the best of the best of that company. Now, today, you know, Ohio is my current residing place and my home company right now within Ohio is Rockstar Pro. So one of the best of the best is Crash Jackson. And it just so happens he has my title right now. So we're, we're, we're just getting started with this, brother. But I'll tell you, it's, it's going to get far from nice from whenever we get started after this pandemic. That's awesome. That, but, um... Now, me wonder, so right, ROH right now, that's what's popping now. How, yeah. how did you end up, ended up in ROH? In, 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 in the words of Nipsey Hustle, man, hustle and motivate. <laughs> hustle and motivate. So, so the, um, 
how how we kind of got started with that is um it, it, it was it was years it took years when i initially when i was initially with them when i was initially with them um i i, I got called for a uh, um well for, first of all i started a ring crew with them years ago i want to say probably about 2016 or so 2015, 2016. And, um, you know, I, st I stayed on them and, and helped out any time that I could uh, once they gave me the green light. And they had one of the tryouts. They're familiar with my face. Uh, so I went to one of their tryouts. I showed what I had, just like everyone else did, that got accepted in. And um, and once again, I stuck to it even after that. You know, I, I, st I stuck on ring crew. I, I showed my face and I showed them what I had. And um, about a total of uh, a total of three tryouts overall between 2016 and I want to say early mid 2019. A total of three. Uh, lots of ring crew time that I've done with them, and um, I, it was building that trust. It was building that hunger, and they knew I had something there. But you know, like everything else. It's always right place, right time. You know, you could be in the right place. It might not be the right time. It could be the right time, but it might not be the right place. You might be in the wrong place. So everything kind of has to align with each other. And my thing was, you know, I refuse to take a not right now, you know, a no. For me, a no just means a not right now. You know, I had really great friends within the business. Uh, Caprice Coleman, uh, as you guys have seen on my social media, he's a big brother of mine. We ran a tag team, Saints of Valor. Uh, Jonathan Gresham has helped me out a lot. Shane Taylor clearly has helped me out a lot. Prince Nana, who is one of the uh, one of the uh, ROH originals, has helped me out tremendously, and so many others uh, within that. So it was always about picking the brain of those that were there. And uh, and still allowing your face to be shown, and you know, then I began to build a respect to you know with them to where any time that I was there, uh, the ring crew managers knew who I was, they knew what I was comfortable doing, and I started to be held in a leadership position, uh, even with backstage in regards of wrangling up extras and or wrangling up some things that they needed for the spots. They could trust me with certain responsibilities, so it was putting more trust in my hand and seeing how I could complete that task. And uh, so fast forward. Um, you know, the the last time it was le it was less of a trial. You know, I, th I consider those those first two were, you know, the first one, they saw me physically in the ring for the very first time. And, um, and then the second time I was there was like, OK, you know, th this 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 guy has excelled a lot. And then I had a tryout match or not. I had a, uh, a live match in Columbus, Ohio, Columbus. It was the uh, Express Live Arena. Uh, I want to say that was 2018, September of 2018. Um, let me see, was that 2018? Yeah, yeah, I, th I think it was 20, 2018 or so. Um, it was Cheeseburger, a good friend of mine, Derek Neal from Tennessee, and myself in a triple threat match to open up for the War of the Worlds pay-per-view tour. Uh, it was about a three to four day pay-per-view tour that we had. And um, from there, that's when I knew that they trusted me a, a lot to put me on television. And uh, that was actually the very first Facebook direct Facebook live match that they were doing to open up the pay-per-view tour. So we were setting the tone for the full three, four day tour. Um, and, and a lot of great guys are on that card. So fast forward right after that, you know, they, they knew they could trust me and it was just right place, right time. And, you know, my thing is if when you know something is for you, Stay to it, you know, have your patience, but have dedication. Everything does not happen overnight. In my personal opinion, I, I always say we live in a microwave society to where everyone wants something so quick and so immediate. Appreciate the grind that it takes to get there, because when you get on top, 
it's going to make you value and understand how hard you worked for that position. So uh, some people might feel like it was overnight. It was by far not overnight. We're looking at about a two and a half, three year process. But when I finally got that green light, you know, I was talking to him and uh, I was talking to some of our producers that, that you know, that some that are still there, some that aren't there about some ideas that I had. And they said, you know, let's just tweak this because the only thing was, and uh, all respect to my brother Caprice was, you know, I'm the Rev Ron Hunt. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black male. I got ties, I got crosses on it, but they also have a person that's there. That's a reverend. That's a black male that has ties with crosses on it. And it's Caprice and Caprice is a legend and a veteran at ring of honor. So it was not fair to him. And it was not fair to me to fully come in, even as the Reverend Hunt, because it's almost like a, a mini me version, a little brother version of Caprice. And they knew that we would have to tie that in some way, somehow with Caprice now focusing on commentary. So it was always a communication between production, uh, between the producers, between the booker uh, about, you know, what we wanted to do and what we wanted to achieve. And when we started pitching the idea about, listen, we need to do something, you know, with the Shane Taylor promotions thing, uh, we're looking at about I want to say about three and a half to four months of continuously going back to the creative table with creative writers, with uh, producers and everything about let's fine tooth this. Let's bring this to Ring of Honor. This is what Ring of Honor needs. And we finally got that green light. My brother, we ran with it and we ran with it hard and we're still running with it hard. And uh, I remember I was at home and Shane called me and I was like, what's up, man? He's like, listen, it's time. And when I knew that, I said, let's get to work. Let's get to work. And, we, and we've been doing it, man. We've been doing it. So uh, I'm fortunate. I'm blessed. You know, uh, with me personally, Ring of Honor has been a dream of mine for years upon years upon years upon years. And once again, this goes back to Eddie Guerrero. If you guys look at it at one point in time, Eddie Guerrero was in Ring of Honor in his early days, along with a lot of other greats that are on grand, uh, that, that, that are, that are on, uh, you know, uh, stages with other main circuits. But their start and, and their base and their home is Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has a lot of great names behind him. And I'm just fortunate just to stand in the ring and grace the canvas of some of those greats. And I know this is just the beginning, man. So, bless. Yeah, you definitely have it right. I mean, if you look at the current landscape of uh, anybody's roster, uh, whether you look at WWE, AEW, or uh, if you look at Impact Wrestling, yeah. each, each roster has Ring of Honor in it. Oh, yeah. In some way, shape, or form. Uh, if you look at Impact Wrestling, you have Eddie Edwards, Ring of Honor. Uh, yep. uh, there's there's also more people I, I can name that uh, grace Ring of Honor's uh, um, campus. I mean, you had Moose. Yeah. Uh, you also had inside inside uh, Ring of Honor, uh, who is currently in Impact. Um, well, I may have this wrong. I, I don't think he's currently. No, he's not signed to Impact. I'm sorry, that's MLW. But I was I was gonna say Austin Aries, uh, but yeah. it's just so so many that you can go through. And if you look at AW, you got you got you know teams like the Young Bucks. You have teams. Yeah. Uh, you you have single single competitors like a like a Hangman Adam Page. I mean, yeah. you can just continue to go on. I mean, if you look at WWE's roster. I mean, I can literally name every champion that they've had in the last you know. Seven, seven to ten years, and they all have touch place in Ring of Honor. Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can keep going. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. 
but Ring of Honor, and th- this is this is like a little gripe that I that I had. I mean, I no longer have it, but you know, because yeah. I'm I'm trying to focus on positive vibes only right now. And before <laughs> I'm saying positive vibes only, because that's a plug for our brand new T-shirt that came out today. Uh, but what what, what I'm gonna give you a cop, said, and I'm a cop one. Oh, word, word, word. Okay. I'll tell you what, I'm definitely going to tag you in the post uh, uh, Thursday. But, Please do. But I'm, de- I'm definitely trying to definitely, you know, focus on the positive vibes. But one of the gripes that I had when AW got lunch was the big, big band, uh, bandwagon jump. Like, you know, just prior to that, all in, it was ROH New Japan or nothing else. Yeah, that was that was literally what everyone was saying. ROH is better than this company, New Japan. New Japan and ROH is ten times better than you know WWE. Blah 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 blah. And as soon as their major stars left, you left, and that's like the biggest yeah. gripe I, I had. It it was like you know, don't, don't get me wrong, wrestling holds no loyalty to any company because let's just face it, each wrestler is going to cross paths. In every company, by the time they end their career, I mean, we got people like Sting who we never thought would have crossed path in WWE, but he did. Yeah. So you know, you know, so that, that, that just goes goes back to show. But yeah, that, that, that was one of my biggest gripes. It was like, it's like how how are y'all just gonna leave ROH like that? Like they just did all in last yeah. year. Y'all don't y'all don't remember that big show where all y'all was going crazy about? The star cast, yeah, yeah. And, oh, you know, oh, sold and out. Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and you know that, that was that was like my biggest thing. It was like, but what about the people that were saying they were riding die for ROH? Like, what happened? And then, yeah, you know, I, I think I think that was one of the like one of the biggest things. If I could, if I could be honest, where um, it didn't really frustrate anybody you know um at, at the at the end of the day you know you do have your your diehard fans with regardless of whatever whatever the company is you know you have your diehard wwe fans you have your diehard roh fans you have your diehard uh now aew fans but you know just like everything else you know it it is possible to support uh multi-platforms you know you know even when we look into uh when we look into the the the, the realism of what's happening in the world right now it's possible to be pro black lives matter and it's possible to be pro um you know uh police matter for those that are actually doing their job and doing the right thing and, and holding their counterparts uh accountable so but i think a lot of people feel oh you must you must if you like this company you must hate this company and just like you said uh right when that um separation kind of happened with some of the stars you saw a lot of fans just kind of jump on a bandwagon but with us it was never like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? You know, oh, oh, all these people left. No, this is gonna happen in some way, shape, or form because everyone likes that next hottest thing. You know, whatever feels like the next revolution, whatever feels like, you know, the the you know the the next you know against authority type thing. So with us, you know, the main thing was it's just like a boxer, and, and Shane loves because Shane loves boxing. But it's just like a boxer, you know, when when you when you get hit, you get razzled in the round. You know, you don't, you know, sit down and you don't get defeated. You don't say, oh, my goodness, well, this is all I got. No, you go to the corner, you take some deep breaths, you readjust, you heal up the cuts, you get back in there and you take over the next round. 
So with us, you know, it, the simple thing was, hey, it's like everything else. You know, you face your adversities, brush it off. It's the nature of the beast and you stay on top of it. And now, you know, when if people look at what is happening um, uh, with a keen eye right now with ROH, you know, like every other company, you have a you have a redevelopment phase, but there's never a time that anything feels dead. I feel like we're in a very comfortable spot right now to where we're not satisfied. We're comfortable, but yet we're still attaining for more. And honestly, if it wasn't for this pandemic, you guys would have seen some crazy stuff. I guarantee a little bit earlier, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. The timing of everything happens for a reason. And at the end of, at the end of the day, you know, we're not dead. You know, we're alive and well. And we welcome competition. And, and, you know, I know guys that, you know, uh, you know, brothers, you know, both behind the camera and on the camera with with all big companies, you know, all, all three of them, you know, uh, AEW Impact and WWE, who are going to say the same thing. Mind you, some people won't say the same thing, but a lot of them are saying the same thing. Competition is a good thing because it keeps all of us on our toes and it makes us it makes us work to be greater. Competition is a win-win for everybody. And at that time, that's when you see the true dedication, the true passion that are in people individually and as a family as a whole. And that's the same, that's the same thing with us, man. We welcome competition. We wish everybody nothing but the best. But at the end of the day, if you bring your A game, we're going to try to take it to an A plus. Spoken like a wise man. Because <laughs> Hey, man, I got this ball in here like I'm Gandhi, man. I'm trying to give some wisdom. <laughs> man, listen, at the end of the day, yes, competition is needed. Competition is needed because without competition, what are you watching? Could you imagine mm-hmm. if the NBA just had all all of all the best players on one team versus a trash team inside the NBA Finals? Man. Oh, wait a minute. That happened before. That was the Golden State Warriors uh, versus the Cavs uh, the last couple oh, years. <laughs> no, m- minus, my, minus LeBron. Minus LeBron. Uh, but, yeah, man, co- competition is, uh, is is really, really needed. But, you know, out, out, outside of your wrestling career, you also have another side to you. So uh, I did a little bit of digging, and you're also a reporter. Yes. Man, uh, we we do we do we do some crazy stuff, man. So so I worked within the field of media. I initially started within radio, and um, and transitioned over to TV officially in 2015. I've been working in media for about the last nine and a half to ten years, and uh, it's it's great. You know, like everything else, you know, you have your tiring times, but you know, it's very rewarding at the end. You know, being able to talk to people that are hurting or that are desperate for answers based on something and you being the voice of them to kind of get their word out much stronger than what they could do by themselves. And at the end of the day, you know, that's what I try to tell people I am, you know, uh, it's, it's just like a promo for me. You know, I'm a storyteller, but at the same time, it's not my story. I'm telling it's someone else's story that I'm telling, but I'm telling it on a much grander scale, much grander stage uh, so that people can hear that. And be able to offer their wisdom or be able to help them with that or, be, or maybe even say, hey, I've been in that same situation. And now you you grow a, a family based on people that have been hurting over the same things or or references and resources for people to now get help, which they wouldn't have got on their own. So the way that I look at it is, you know, I'm, I'm a journalistic first responder. You know, I have to respond to people's hurt. You know, that's that's my job. You know, when people are sad about something, when uh, uh, 
a family is missing or, or something uh, bad has happened to someone. And we are there to tell that story, hopefully to get them some closure or to help them get a solution if there's some injustice. And um, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any greater honor than that. You know, like I said, it's tiring sometimes, but at the end of the day, when you see on a wider perspective how much you can help someone, it's definitely worth it in the long run. Yeah, I mean, definitely at this um, at, at this point, when you look at it, I mean, you definitely have to tell tell everyone's story while, while you can. I mean, some sometimes people don't like the story that that they hear, but the story is what it is. I mean, of course, just reflecting on to the world now, you know, people have their different opinions about, you know, the George Floyd and the Rashad Brooks situation and what what have you. But, you know, you, you said one thing, looking and feeling someone else's hurt and being yeah. able to try to tell that person's story. That way the world can actually see the story. And, you know, the, the story is about the moment. Not so much everything from from the past five, 17 years. It's about yeah. what led up to that moment at yeah. that time. And a lot of times when situations like this happen, which is sad, I mean, I'm tired of seeing it. Uh, you know, my father's father, you know, seeing these situations and it's like, you know, we don't like to see it. But one thing I don't like, and, you know, I've, I've even said this on other interviews, it's like, you know, the first thing people want to do when it's not a story that caters to their narrative, they want mm -hmm. to smear the person who the story is about. And my, my whole thing is, you know, why are we worried about what this person did, you know, a few years back or five years back? We're talking about the situation, why this person is not currently here right now. And to, to me, it's almost like, you know, it kind of it kind of takes away from, you know, from, from the whole movement and, and everything that, that goes along with it. It's almost like a counter, almost like a pivot. It's like, well, well, he died. But what about this? It's like, well, we're talking about how he died and why he died. So, you know, to, yeah. to me, it's like and this just basically for me to sum this up. When you look at someone's obituary, it never says, well, you know, back back in 2007, he, he, he got in the fight with, you know, Ray Ray and him and Ray Ray fought, but he lost that fight. Like, no, it tells about the accomplishments. And the thing, the thing is, it's like, you know, a report at that time talking about someone's story, especially when they die, it's almost like a visual obituary of that person. It's like, well, you know, so so yeah. so died of these, you know, he, he was a loving so-and-so, and he was on his way to do this the next day. And it's like, you know, to me, it's like for me, uh, I think, once again, if people start to evolve and start to yeah. look at it from a different perspective, and not so much worry about your set eyes, but look at it from other people's set eyes, and also don't think about you in a moment. Think about your children's children's is this something that you want your children's children to continue to yeah. see but you know that's just my little two cents uh back to the interviews I'm, right. it on. Thank you, bro. <laughs> I'm preaching i know i'm preaching uh, <laughs> uh but uh hey pk i can't help it but um with that with that being said so you know you you have the other skill as an interviewer 
And you also got to interview somebody who I'm a huge fan of, uh, Tyra Banks. How did that happen? Um, Tyra, Tyra, Tyra. Goodness gracious. Man, uh, I mean, I mean, what, what can you say from there? You know, I've been very fortunate to, to talk to a lot of people, and I can tell you uh, the rep doesn't really get nervous a lot of times. Uh, but I was definitely nervous when I interviewed Tyra Banks because um, a, a phone interview is much different. But when you actually are doing a face-to-face uh, uh, a virtual interview, we, we did a face-to-face for our, our YouTube page and, and for our website, um, she, she was completely humble, you know, and a, a person like Tyra uh, that has so many credentials like she does and so much success in her career over the years like she does, so much weight under her name, for her to be as humble as she was and just treated you like a person, um, that just spoke to the caliber of person that you were dealing with at that time. It didn't feel like I was talking to a celebrity. It just felt like I was talking to a difference based on the gifts that she she had. And uh, the interview when I talked to her is when back when she was going to be the new host for America's Got Talent. And, you know, she was cracking jokes the whole time, talking about her mom, uh, talking about the cast, Simon Cow and Heidi, uh, and everything like that, and Howie Mandel. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, we could have just sat at a coffee shop and had that same conversation. And it, it just felt like a normal conversation with a friend that you're just now catching up with. But in the back of my mind, and it didn't really hit me until like Somewhat at the beginning, but then the flow started with the interview. And then at the end, once I, you know, once we wrapped up, I said, oh, my goodness, I was just talking to the Tyra Banks. And I think I, I think I in, I think I introduced her on the interview as ladies and gentlemen, I'm on here with the Tyra Banks. I think I actually introduced her like that to the audience. But uh, but, you know, just to be able to see that, um, like I said, you you. You know, you never get used to these moments as much as you're in this business or any type of profession. You never get used to these moments. Each and every moment that I've had uh, has been completely humbling. You know, uh, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to keep a clear head about things like this. And um, I never got big headed. Actually, anytime an opportunity came, the bigger it is, the more humble I got. Because I know it could have been anyone else in this world that had the opportunity uh, to share that person's time, to talk about some things. But the fact that you have that moment, that is your moment to deal with that particular situation or that particular topic. Uh, man, that, that was a blast, brother. That was a blast, man. The little kid in me was jumping up and down, but, you know, I had to, I had to kayfabe that boy, man. I had to stay calm. Another thing that I, that I noticed is you're great on the mic and your voice demands attention. Let's t- talk about that forensic files opportunity to do the voiceover. How did that come about? Oh, yeah, you got something. On forensic files. But yeah, so, so, um, so you know, with, with the freelance voiceover company, I, I run a company called Nailed It Voices. And uh, it's actually my agent that does my acting and everything like that because I still do on-camera acting. Um, they also help me in regards to voiceover work as well. Uh, so pretty much you have a system that you're able to put your, you know, you're able to put your samples on, uh, you communicate with different companies. They let you know what type of voice they're looking for. You know, with that, they wanted like a, like a, deep voice they wanted a crisp voice uh but they wanted some baritone and um and you know they give you some type of flows and they give you a practice script to read and then you send in a practice script and then you know you go from there and if they like it then you know they'll hit you up and they'll secure a private contract with you uh so that was kind of how that came about so when they uh let me know about it i said "Woo, 
I said, that's a, you know, I, I grew up watching things like Forensic Files, Unsolved Mysteries, you know, uh, First 48, you know, different different shows like that, that I'm just like, you know, it's suspenseful, it's mysterious, it's, it's, it's mystery solving, you know, crime solving. But at the same time, I always appreciated the art that was knowing that I came from that business of, of voiceover work. So to have that opportunity uh, was amazing. You know, uh, I was able to do that in the comfort of a, of a local studio and I was in communications with the director and with the producer there and we would feed back some, some tips and everything like that to kind of make it better and what exactly they were looking for and the tone that they were trying to set. So to hear the final product of it, once they put the underbed music and everything on it, which is what you see those two final projects on my YouTube page, uh, it, it was cool, man. It was, it was cool. And I actually watched the episode. I remember when it came on, I got to refine it. It was a few years ago, but I watched the episode on TV. Man, that's my voice. But no one would ever know because you don't see my face until I actually show people the clip. And they say, oh my God, I think I watched that episode. Man, I mean, that that, that must be a, a freaky experience. Like, you know, <laughs> just, uh, I mean, but then again, you also get to see yourself wrestle. So, you know, it's not that that freaky, but it is freaky. It's like, hold on, wait a minute, is that my voice? Yeah, that is my voice. And it's like, well, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not as freaky as seeing yourself half naked with wrestling tights on in front of hundreds, maybe thousands of people with oil on. But it's still freaky. It's still freaky. Man, I can I can only imagine. I mean, definitely, I, I can't wait till I start seeing myself on uh, television. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, but you can always go back on the YouTube uh, channel and check us out at uh, Marks with Mike's. Check out some of the season two and season one work we did at Marks at Night, the TV show. Season three is still on the way. So definitely glad we got the chance to talk about Phase thus far. Uh, you, you've also recently been uh, kicking COVID-19's butt. So yeah, man. Let the people know about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm 100% back to normal. Uh, I had to get another testing and I got some, I, got, I had to get stuck with a needle at one point. I had to get the cotton tips up nose and everything. Everything you could think of I had to get, but uh, everything came back negative. Uh, I got cleared to return back to work. I got a note from work. Or, I mean, I got cleared from my doctors to go back to work. I got a note from my doctors for work and everything like that. And uh, I'm clear to get back in the ring and everything like that. So, uh, that was a, that was a grueling process. I'm, I'm fortunate that it wasn't the worst as it could have been. I, I didn't have to go on the ventilator. Uh, but there were some times that in the early stages of it, the reason why I got checked out is because I thought that I was having like a mini heart attack. So, uh, it, it came to that point where everything was very tight, uh, to a point that I felt my chest beating real hard, almost like I could feel like the pulse in my neck. It was, it was crazy. Uh, and then my asthma kicked in even harder and it wasn't like a typical asthma attack. Uh, everything, everything that you can think of, the, the heat spells, the chills, everything that you can think of. But, uh, through that, I was, I was down for about a total of, uh, about a month overall that I remember with actual symptoms. And I had to wait a full two weeks without symptoms after my medication ran out, uh, before I was able to get cleared to do anything. But, um, it, it was, it was rough, man. You know, you're, you're talking about a guy that's used to, uh, traveling for hours on end, wrestling the show, doing it again, doing it again, coming, doing a shoot job, coming, you know, and then, you know, going to the gym, training guys and, and not feeling like he's tired to now there was a point that I'm doing laundry and I can't finish three loads because I feel like I have to sit down on the couch. 
because I'm getting too tired. I can't finish cleaning my house or cooking or cooking food because I feel too tired. So that was the freaky side for me. Um, but to now be able to look back at it, um, I thought that I had an appreciation for life. It gives me a deeper appreciation for life. Uh, it gives me a deeper appreciation for those I love. Uh, it gives me a deeper appreciation for my family, for my, for my friends, you know, um, and, and just overall. And I, I, th I think that was something that, you know, we all can just use a dosage of not the COVID. We don't need that, but we can all just use a deeper appreciation for what we have right now um, and value things for what they are. Don't take advantage for anything because you never know when things will get worse or when things just disappear at all. So uh, at the end of the day, I beat it. I beat the living heck out of it. But I'm fortunate that I went through it to tell my story to like you guys right now and to others that are listening to this, because uh, I feel like it, ma it made me an even better person in the long run. It made me be able to, to sit still and see things from a more still perspective uh, instead of always being on the go and everything like that. Yeah, man. I mean, definitely just definitely from from the love of your friends and family and, you know, colleagues alike, those positive vibes that, that were coming to you ended up giving you a negative result on that test when it came time to check again. And I had the whole world asking about me, man. I had uh, uh, friends, I had wrestlers, I had uh, uh, co-workers asking. I had people that I haven't talked to in a little bit of time just, just asking about me because they saw something that I posted or just wanted to check up on me. Uh, so so I, I appreciate it, man. You know, And that was just one way of, of, of how we all come together, man, and, and just show humanity for one another. And I think that's something that's missing in the world today. You know, uh, we have a lack of humanity. So just to be able to see that on my end, you know, I just want to personally tell everyone, thank you for reaching out to me, for contacting, texting, emailing, however way you reached out to me. Thank you. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm able to kind of tell that story and hopefully uh, help someone else to see they're going through it or going through uh, anything that's similar that you feel like you're alone. There's people out there to care about you. And, um, and, and for those that have someone they haven't talked to in a while, just reach out to them, let them know that you're thinking about them, let them know that you care and that you love them. And uh, you know, it's, it's going to make their day for sure. And that just goes back to what I was saying far as, of course, number one evolution, number two, uh, your time using your time wisely. And number three, you know, showing empathy, showing, showing that compassion for someone else because at the end of the day, it's not all about you. We are all connected like a root on a tree. I mean, each person plays a, a, a certain role in everyone's life. Whether, yeah. that's, the, whether that's the the friend that's the shoulder to lean on yeah. or what, whether that's the person the person to love or all lives matter. Does it really, really mean that? Or is it just something that you're just saying? So that's definitely, you know, that's definitely something to be definitely thankful. About. Definitely you know, just counting your blessings because you are one of the many survivors. Uh, but we're going to get into a little, a little trivia real quick. And yes, I have sir. three questions. Uh, these three questions will be random, non-wrestling related. Give me a second oh. there. So, for question number one, this 90s comedian was featured on a TV show, a 90s sitcom. 
this comedian's character on the TV show was named Pops. Was it Oh, hey. oh, wait, wait, hold on. Let me see. I'm, I'm going to try to get this before the multiple choice. Okay. John Witherspoon. Oh, there you go. So, with that. Hey, 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 listen. You can't get it. As soon as you say it pops, that's a childhood favorite right there. Okay, okay, okay. So, we got pops, friends, number one. Okay. So, question number two. Totally pop culture. Okay, here we go. This network featured shows such as Moesha, such as The Parkers, such as One on One, such as The Game. All right, so th those are those are the three shows: The Parkers, Moesha, The Game. Which network was this? Was this A, The CW, B, BT, or C, UPN? Uh. Uh, okay, uh, was it was it the CW, BET, or UPN? Yeah, those are your choices. Okay, uh, UPN. Old snap, two for two. Okay, and last question. <laughs> last question. Here we go. Uh, this is going to be sports-related. And here we go. This cornerback was famous... In the 80s and 90s, he had his own video game. He had his own music video, and he only played in prime time. Was it A, Randy Moss? Was it B, Terrell Owens? Was it C, Michael Irvin? Or was it D, Deion Sanders? Oh, he said, oh, man. Why, why do, I know it ain't the first two. I know it ain't the first two. I'm going to eliminate them. All right, you said uh, the, the last two were Michael Irvin or who? Deion Sanders. I'm going to go with Deion Sanders. And there we are, ladies and gentlemen, three for three. The Rev has done it. So with that being said, we got three pieces of this merchandise going out to the first three people to go ahead and leave us a voice message. And just simply, you know, say what's up. Once you're done with that, send us a DM either at Marks with Mice on Twitter or IG, and we'll get right back to you. Uh, but with that being said, I definitely want to thank you for coming on the show. Let the people know where they can find you. Yes, sir. You can find me on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, even TikTok. Just type in The Rev Ron Hunt. You'll be able to find me on all that social media. Do you want to give any shout outs? Yes. Want to give a shout out to everybody right now. All of my strong brothers and my sisters that are out there right now. Uh, everyone is getting back to work during this pandemic. Everyone that's been struggling to hustle and even working in the middle of this pandemic. I appreciate all of our essential workers and everything like that. And uh, just want to just want to give a word of encouragement to people as we're kind of going through this time. Uh, you know, we all got to be in this thing together. Black lives matter. Yes, all lives matter, but they cannot matter unless black lives matter first. Come together in unity. Let's persevere through this and, 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 let's, and let's build together. My man, that was definitely what I was looking for. That was definitely what I would definitely encourage everyone to do. Remember, listen, we got to be in this together. Use this positive energy to look at this whole situation positive. Uh, I think 400 years is long enough for it to wait on change. Let's change it now for our, our future generations and let's all love one another like
this Constitution claims to be. And with that being said, we definitely have to remind you to wash your hands and wash your ass and use some soap, as Ray would say. But you want to make sure you're doing it from face to ass and cheech, not ass to to face. Peace out, yo. Peace out. Thanks, Rev. Hey, appreciate you guys, man. Thank you so much. No problem, brother. No problem. Respect. Yes, sir. Good talk to you, Chiefs.